The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 431 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is adoption beyond infancy. Now, this episode came about as a result of Sylvie Herbert's email in which she requested me to organize an episode on the work of Adoption Beyond Infancy, an organization. So here's the episode. Now, I'm going to just explain fetal alcohol spectrum disorders because these will be discussed. These disorders are when a baby is born with the effects of the mother's alcohol consumption during pregnancy. The child grows up with a mental age, maybe about half of its chronological age, and this mismatch between age in years and age in the mind causes huge problems for adoptive parents. All of which and more is why our topic Adoption beyond infancy is so important for the family caregiving community and the mental health community generally. Now, to discuss this this topic, our guests are Jane DePaul and Sylvie Hebert. Now, Jane lives in Sherwood Park, Alberta, Canada, with her husband and two children who were adopted through the Alberta foster system. Their son was two and a half when he first came to their home. Their daughter came home from the hospital at 11 days of age. Now, Jane is busy working full-time at the University of Alberta, um, as well as volunteering as the chairperson for the Adoption Society of Alberta Board of Directors. And she strongly advocates for adoption, and in particular through local family and children's services. Now, Sylvie Hebert was born in Buckingham, Quebec, Canada. She was born with or lived with strict but loving Catholic parents. She grew up with an older sister and a younger brother. And at college, she studied special care counseling. During her third, her third year in college, she realized that she enjoyed working with children with different abilities. She met this wonderful guy. Those are her words. She was then 16, finished college and followed him to Alberta. Then they started their own family, and at the suggestion of a friend, she and her husband set up a medical foster home. This gave her her a career and the chance to stay home with her children so they could learn French. She and her husband loved this work, but the constant grieving takes a toll on the relationship and family, which isn't an easy thing. 
We are caregivers, she says. We do not differentiate between who is ours and who is not. With 11 children, ours is a busy, loud, explosive, but loving family. And it was the challenges that led to their family's involvement with the organization Adoption Beyond Infancy. So now, Jane, first question for you. Please tell us about the Adoption Society of Alberta and the support it provides for parents who have adopted children. Jane? So the Adoption Society of Alberta um, has been around for many, many, many years under different forms with different names. Always the uh, focus has been adoption beyond infancy. So even to this day, we keep in our name ABI to stand for the Adoption Beyond Infancy. It's a not-for-profit group we've been running uh, in Alberta now. Um, it's all volunteer-run. Um, the uh, entire board of directors is um, comprised of people, families, um, and volunteers who have of people who have adopted children. Generally, most of the children that have been adopted in, with, by the board of directors has been through the foster services system or the child and family services system here in Alberta. Um, we receive our funding through donations. Uh, as well, we volunteer um, at a bingo once a month where we are, we have a bingo license through the um, Alberta Gaming and License um, Commission here in Alberta. And um, so every month we have a bingo that we work as well as we have a casino every 18 months. With that, um, we all of our services provided uh, to anyone who's been touched by adoption. So can be someone who's adopted, it can be someone who's given up for adoption, someone who wants to adopt, someone who's thinking about it. It can be anyone in any way, shape, or form touched by adoption. Uh, all of our services that we offer are free. Um, that's basically what we use the money that we raise for. So um, we don't charge for any of our services. We try to handle all those costs ourselves because a lot of time that is a big factor for, for families is a cost of getting services or having that time away, you know, a break, whatever it, be, it might look. Information via telephone, email, and our website. So if someone's looking for services, for information, um, we offer support that way. We um, have uh, free family events. So we have, um, we've had in the past a family dance where basically um, the kids can come and dance. It, it's a handicap is accessible. So everything is open to any of the families. Jane, I'm going to stop you. And I'm sorry to do this, but it's what I call the tyranny of time uh, because we're very limited on time. So I'm going to come back to you, obviously. But I want to ask Sylvia a question now. So please. Sylvie, tell us about your experience or experiences as a parent who has adopted children. Sylvie? Okay. Well, I, I should say that, first of all, my partner in life said he never, he never wanted children. So I have to make it clear. He said, please tell the doctor. But anyway, it's been, um, we started by fostering our story. So all our kids are they're ours. They're in our family. They're part of our family. So I don't make any difference. But we started as a foster family, and we fell in love. Um, it's been wonderful. It's been scary and unbelievably challenging. I'm glad I came with experience with children of different abilities because I think I would think of myself as crazy. <laughs> um, 
to say the least, our children are either diagnosed or suspected of having a fetal alcohol uh, spectrum disorder. Uh, it's an invisible disability. Therefore, uh, we have been labeled bad parents. My children have been labeled bad children. Um, it's been uh, a time has been spent trying to educate, and time has been spent at educating ourselves, like constantly going for in services and trying to find find out as much information on FASD as we can possibly do. Um, I love my family, but anybody that walks in our house just goes, "Who? The roof is always up." Hi. <laughs> yes. It rarely comes down, but we, we love each other. Right. Now, going to go back to Jane. Jane, please tell us about the Adoption Society of Alberta's support for parents who have adopted children who are older and who have special needs. Jane? So the um, organization runs, uh, we support a, we operate a free parental support group from September to May. We have, uh, we hire a facilitator and she has sessions meeting every two weeks. Um, they're free and open to anyone that wants to attend. Um, they range anywhere from someone that's just coming into adoption or thinking about adoption. Could be a kinship situation where perhaps they're adopting a family member um, or someone who's adopting through family services, private adoption, doesn't matter. Anyone who's looking for some supports, we run that um, from September to May. The facilitator is a social worker. She's been involved in foster care services. Um, she's got lots and lots of experience and so is very open to um, uh, helping and, and facilitating and um, supporting the, the people who attend. It's a, it's a group-led um, discussion, so the topics are chosen by the people who are attending the group. Um, now, Jane, I'm sorry to be rude again, but you'll forgive me for this, I know. I, I want to bring Sylvie in with the next question. And Sylvie, this question is, please tell us about your own experience of the support adoptive parents receive from the healthcare and social systems. Sylvie? <coughs> Where do we start? Um, for us as a family, the challenge has been to find somebody that's uh, FASD knowledgeable. Um, I loved our family doctor, but as opposed to looking at a whole picture, she would pick apart uh, my children, not pick apart. Okay, we had all my children have uh, sleep issues. So instead of looking at it as possibly being because of FASD, she focused on the sleep issue, and then I was sent to one specialist. And then there's the mental health part. I was sent to another specialist. There's, uh, with some children, I have been to nine different specialists, and I finally found a good developmental pediatrician, and he basically organized my life because he understood the disability. But there's not that many, and that's the biggest problem and challenge. I'm looking at Jane at the same time, is to find a pediatrician or a doctor that does understand the disability. Um, we've waited for mental health because my, my children do all have um, anxiety disorders. And uh, so finding a good uh, psychiatrist in our case, uh, took a very long time. And I, I know for my seven-year-old daughter, um, she, we have known since she was nine months old that there was something really wrong, that she was struggling by then, 
by the time, well, by the time she arrived in care at five months, she was highly anxious. We could tell already. But we had to wait for a certain age in order to get uh, uh, services, and that's really hard because you're dealing with a bunch of symptoms that are seen as, as behaviors, and there's nothing you can do until you actually see a specialist. So that it's been a long journey, but with our pediatrician and with finding a, a school and all the right people to support me, support my children, it's helped a lot, but it comes like it takes a long time and it comes at a cost because again, my children are falling apart and I have to pick them up and I don't know where I'm going often. So does that answer the question? Yes, it does. Just one quick clarification. When you say you have to pick up the cost, are you talking about money or you're talking about the burden? The burden. The burden. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. It's feeling hopeless, uh, feeling like you have no control and your children need you and there's nothing you can do. That's, that's what I mean. And it's, it's really hard. It's a lot of sleep, sleepless nights. Yeah, that's exactly the right. Now, it is time for a short break. And if you forgive me for this, this is where I always say we have to pay the rent. In other words, it's a commercial. So we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guests are Jane DePau and Sylvie Hebert. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to 
Family Caregivers Unite and Jane DePau and Sylvie Hebert. Our topic is Adoption Beyond Infancy. Now, both of you, let's highlight what you each see as the challenges faced by parents when the children they have adopted have special needs. So, Jane, starting with you first, please. Please tell us about the types of special needs related to mental health with one or two examples and the challenges these create for adoptive parents. Jane? So, um, most typically is um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or what, what's known as a, more as an organic brain injury. There's issues with focus, uh, decreased mental functioning, short-term memory loss, uh, impulse control issues, problem solving, handling money. Um, it's very difficult to uh, give instruction. Everything has to be broken down into little very small incremental steps. So you can imagine that a lot of those factors come into to affect school. Um, there's depression, mood disorders. So again, um, and because this is like as Sylvie said, it's an invisible disorder. People don't understand what's happening. They don't understand why a child is acting in a particular way. Um, and yeah, being labeled as a bad child or or you know bad parents, that type of thing. Just say a word or two more, Jane, about the bad parents story. How does um, that manifest? So my son is not, so my child does not have FASD, but he does have an organic brain injury. Um, and as a result, he had a lot of behaviors. He was, he has very poor impulse control. Um, everything is a no. Lots of, um, when he was younger, a lot of frustration in class because people weren't, you know, you, you need to conform to a certain, certain way in school. Um, and it wasn't until grade three when we finally were able to get some testing in place that showed that, you know what, he's not a bad child, he's just struggling, he has ADHD, um, he's, so he's got these issues that need to be dealt with within the school and in the home life. Um, but up until then, it was basically, yeah, like, you, you know, he's just, he steals, he lies, he's just a, like, what are you doing wrong? What, why is he like this? Why, what have, what's happened to him? Um, you know, why is, why is he doing these things? You need to get better control. Right. Now, Sylvie, please tell us about the challenges with one or two examples faced by parents who have adopted children living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, FASDs. Sylvie? Yeah. Um, I, my first word would be loss, dealing with and grieving constantly. And by that, I mean, uh, as, as silly as it sounds, as uh, me losing my friends, it's really hard to invite my friends over because of my children's behaviors. And they're not doing it purposely, but it's just, we basically, we, we manage our home by ourselves because we have lost many friends. We just can't go out whenever they want to go out. Um, we, we rarely go out, actually. Um, I'm thinking in, in, in terms of my children, they have no friends because their social skills have been affected. Uh, they also they need their rest. They can't go. They they can be part of groups, but they have to be specialized group in order for uh, the the leader to understand why my children have behaviors and uh, they're better able to to meet their needs as well. I don't see my children ever being able to take part in uh, regular. Um, uh, sports because they can't cope with uh, time. Uh, they can't cope with other kids. They 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 have uh, they have uh, hyperactivity. Uh, it's really difficult for them, and then they become even more anxious and even more angry because they 
they, they get constantly told to sit out or they, they get told how they should be behaving and they don't understand because they're so impulsive, right? Uh, loss, yeah, loss is the major one. Um, they, they might not graduate. Uh, they may not get married. They may not leave, live independently. And that's something Warren and I have had to face is as opposed to talking about uh, independent, we, we, we talk about interdependence. So everybody needs somebody. I don't do check the, the money part in our, in our partnership. He does. I do the cooking because I'm slightly better. <laughs> we do the cleaning together. So we teach our children that everybody needs somebody. And I, I have I've learned that my children need to hear that uh, they will need somebody and they have special needs. Uh, that's a word we use around our home, that uh, they are special needs. And... Um, and it's okay, and everybody needs somebody else in order to, to be as, as good as we can be. Right. Now, back to Jane. Please tell us about the types of special needs related to physical health with one or two examples and the challenges uh, that these create for adoptive parents. Jane? So one of the ones um, that's pretty common is sensory processing. Um, so basically the sensory uh, signals in our body, in the child's body, don't give the appropriate responses. So something as simple as seams on a sock, um, when you put your foot into a sock, that can actually physically hurt. Um, drying, my daughter experiences that when we dry her hair after she has a shower or bath, we have to dry it very, like, slowly and, and very easily. There's no rough like movement with it, trying to dry it vigorously because that actually hurts her head. Um, so there's things like that, lights, uh, reaction to lights, to sounds, um, reaction. Some kids do not have a reaction to hot or cold, so they can't tell if something's hot or something's cold. So at hot, they would burn themselves and not even realize it. Another issue is fine motor skills. Um, so this affects your printing, your writing, your holding utensils. Uh, kids will experience hand cramps, tiredness, comes into a big factor in probably the first four, four to five years of, of, of education, of school, because everything is done by hand, hand printing. Um, so why can't you make your letters straight? Why can't, you, why can't we read what you can write? Those are the kind of things that teachers are asking the children, and they, they just physically cannot do it. Right. Now to Sylvie. Please tell us about the challenges with one or two examples you have faced in dealing with schools and the effects these challenges have on you. Now, you've already mentioned several things about this, but please go into more detail. The challenges and the effects of these challenges that these challenges have on you. Sylvie? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go straight into a, an example. When my daughter was five, I should say in Alberta we're very lucky. We still have special education. So we have a classroom, a small, smaller size classroom, and my children did qualify for early education. So that's going into a programming from the ages of two and a half to five, and you get occupational therapy, speech therapy, uh, physio. Uh, they're very lucky. So I'm, my daughter was in there when she was four, and then she, when she was five, she went into kindergarten and didn't qualify because she wasn't 
showing the behaviors that she shows at home and in the community, in school, so she lost her funding. She went into a regular uh, classroom. And there she started to show the symptoms because there was 25 children, there was one teacher, and she was showing herself as being defiant, as being uh, avoidant, uh, as playing games like knowing her alphabet one day and not knowing it the next day, which is really FASD, right? So an OT was called in to come and observe. And um, at the same time, the school requested medication for, for my daughter, who was five at the time. And uh, anyway, I had to have enough information to bring to our psychiatrist. Long story short, when the occupational therapist wrote a report, she wrote that one day uh, when she was observing, she came to school and she saw uh, my daughter uh, come out of the classroom. And as soon as she saw me, my daughter ran and ran right outside. So in her report, she says, Daugh daughter shows severe behavior around mother, but not around staff. So these are, you know, things that are, tells me that I'm seen as a bad parent when all she was demonstrating by running away, have had enough, I can't cope here, and now I'm safe because you're here. And that's what often the school never see the, all the behaviors that I have at home because my kids are able to hold it in until they get home, and then home is a safe place, and that's where I get all the behaviors and all the anger. And uh, then it's hard to go back and ask for support at school when, and I understand that, they don't see the behavior, therefore they, they're not about to provide support or suggestion because it's not seen in school. But at the same time, I can tell them she's had a bad day because of the way she behaves and hopefully they will listen. I'm very lucky this year. The school where three of my children are attending have been FASD um, educated over the past year. So it's, it's a good year in that point. And what does it do to me? I often feel like crying. Dealing with school is extremely frustrating. It's, uh, you have to advocate constantly. Um, it's, um, I have felt that the school were thinking there was something wrong with me and not with my children. So in that, in that sense, I'm, I'm grieving. That's another big part of my grieving. And uh, I don't know if I've explained myself, but it's, I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of having to always advocate. It's, it's taken a toll on myself and my husband as well. Yeah, I fully understand that. Now, I'm going to go to the break now, but we're going to go on talking about these things. So thank you both. Now, the break is now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Jane DePau and Sylvie Ebert. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Health and Wellness and Variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jane DePau and Sylvie Hebert. Our topic is Adoption Beyond Infancy. Now, both of you, let's highlight the ways the Adoption Society of Alberta's support helps overcome the challenges faced by parents when the children they have adopted have special needs. In other words, the special needs, the challenges that you've just been talking about in the previous segment. So Jane, start with you. Please tell us about the ways the Adoption Society of Alberta's support helps adoptive parents overcome the challenges of special needs. So I'm going to start by saying that we don't actually overcome the challenge. Uh, We manage, we support, and we understand the challenge. Um, it's not something I think that you could ever overcome because it is a lifelong um, disease and it, the child is going to have it, you know, beyond. It's not a, it's something that you can cure. Um, so for us, we provide education through conferences and workshops. We have an annual caregiver rejuvenator conference where we have uh, a chance for the parents to come, meet other parents who are struggling, going through a similar situation or um, are going starting down the same path that someone's already been on. Um, we have workshops in terms of uh, teaching about FASD and other um, concern, other sensory issues, things like that, other situations that the children may present with. Um, we, as being already adoptive parents, and many of us down this path, we present we through our information. We provide ideas for schools, for doctors to look into to get support. Um, we support the parents, provide avenues for keeping the parents healthy because that's like Sylvie, you know, has touched on how hard it is for the parents alone. 
um, to deal with uh, the situation. It's not just supporting your child. It's facing a society that doesn't understand the situation, doesn't understand the disorders. Um, that's what we provide. Right. Now, Sylvie, please tell us about the ways the Adoption Society of Alberta's support helps adoptive parents manage the challenges of special needs of their adoptive children who are living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Sylvie? Yes. Um, well, for me, uh, it has been uh, a place. I, I do not go to the support group. Uh, that's that's personal. Um, I, I did manage to find a few people, Jane is one of them, where I felt comfortable because it's really hard to trust people. I have to say that's above all trust is difficult because you're all constantly having to fight your battles and not fight, educate and uh, advocate and you're not trusted or you're not believed. So I have found within ABI a few people where I could uh, be trusted and to trust and be able to discuss uh, my children, their disability. And what ABI has done for me, it's been the training that has been, no joke, it's been detrimental in my journey with adoption. Uh, without all the, the education that I've been able to, to attend conference and uh, seminar and uh, also the rejuvenator, that's what... Um, Jane was talking about a place to laugh and a place to meet other parents and maybe talk about school and say what works and what doesn't work and to find out, oh, this agency might be able to help you with one thing. That's what ABI has done for me. And I continue to really push for my friends who have adopted or are thinking, or are thinking of adopting to, to phone ABI and to find out, uh, you know, what is out there for them. And when we say FASD, there's all sorts of disability and information that we can get through ABI. And they have a library. They have, and if they don't have a library, they have a list of persons that you can contact. So for me, it's been, I don't know where I'd be without ABI. That's really a fundamental observation of the value of what ADI is doing. Now, to Jane, please tell us about the ways the society support helps adoptive parents manage the challenges of special needs related to the physical health of their adoptive children. Jane? So really, it's not much different. Um, we, we provide education. We provide conferences and workshops. Um, you have to understand that no matter if it's a physical or a, or a mental uh, disorder, generally, they both have, there's aspects of both in every disorder. Um, so FASD will have physical um, issues as well as mental issues. So there's things that need to be addressed in both sides. A lot of times, the sensory is along with the FASD, which is part of the mental the mental dysfunction. So really, nothing changes for us in terms of the support. Um, there may be some things in terms of if you have a physical handicap, um, you know, we can recommend um, different agencies that may support you in terms of if you have to do modifications to your home and that type of thing. But basically, we're a, we're a widespread information source. We, if we can't find something, we'll try and find you know some information, direct you to a, to a unit or a group or through the org to the to the government that may be able to help. So nothing changes for us in terms of what we support. 
Jane, would it be right then to say that the physical and the mental kind of merge in the sense that they're not really separable from the point of view of the services you provide? Is that right? Yes, totally. Um, my, you know, like if you look at anxiety, well, that's seen as a physical thing. Um, you can have panic attacks. That type of thing is seen more physical. Um, child's reacting to that, but it's based in a mental disorder or a mental dysfunction. So really, yeah, like and sensory, like that's like physical in terms of fine motor skills, you know. But there's a, if they're not doing well, so like examples, my daughter has struggles with printing and writing. So for her, it, she's got anxiety from that because in class she wants to be seen as like all the other kids. And so even though it's a sensory or, or a, a physical disorder, it's also manifesting itself in different ways in terms of mental. Um, so, yes, they are melded together. And then add that to your parental mental uh, struggles in terms of yes. stress and, and, those, and that too. So there's always a mental aspect to the physical. Right. Sylvie, please tell us about the way the society's support helps adoptive parents manage the challenges of working with schools when their adopted children are living with FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Sylvie? Hi. Yeah, well, it's still a cha challenge, I think, for ABI and all agencies. There's really no help for school, it's word of mouth. It's again, you know, advocating. And there's an agency in Edmonton um, that helps with with the school, but the waiting list is extremely long. So normally, when you phone an agency, it's too late. You're in a crisis. So what helps? What helps me is often I'll phone uh, one of the ABI person, and I just need to complain. And through complaining, I'll listen to myself and might find my own answer to my school issues. But school is still a major issue, and it will, will only get better with uh, the teachers being educated. They have the same learning curves uh, coming with the, like FASD is, has been around forever, but the education, educating the public and educating teachers and doctors is still really the biggest challenge. And school will be for, I don't see school getting it anywhere soon. And that's really sad because if you only, if you could only understand that, that by working with their strengths, the children will try to, you know, by working with what they're good at, the children will try what they're not that good at. And, you know, it's a win-win situation. And we have to remember that it's, it's brain-based. It's not willful. It's not defiance. It's not that they won't. They just can't. And once you understand that and you start to really work on what they're good at, they do try what they're not good at. And that's that's what's so wonderful. And those big size classrooms are, you know, it, it's very difficult for those children because of the brain, because of the sensory, because of the inattention, because of the hyperactivity. They need to move. They, they learn by moving. They learn with their hands. They're different learners. You know, if we could only understand, and it's not only what's good for our FASD children as strategies is good for all children in the classroom. Kids need to move, you know. 
So that's that's my that's right. Yeah. Can I just add one thing? Yes. That's um, Jane, one of the it? big aspects that we see is that yes. so a child, in terms of the schooling, gets into a specialized classroom. As soon as they start showing that they're able to function, that's seen as, oh, they're cured, and they get mainstreamed back into the regular classroom, and it starts all over again. The thing is, is once you find something that works, it needs to be maintained and in the long term, and it could be, like, through the entire 12 years of school. Um, but that's not how the school looks at it. It's like, oh, they see a solution it worked, okay, that's all good now. Now we've got to move on to the next yeah. child. And that's a big thing about the schools is, yes, there are supports in place in the schools, but there's no consistency in keeping them for long-term for the children. Yeah. Sylvia, quick question for you. Is it that people don't understand that this condition, FASD, is basically permanent and goes yeah, to the child? Yeah, very much so. And also because it's invisible. These children, like I think 90% of the kids don't present with any physical, um, you can't tell. So, yeah, and once, like Jane said, my daughter this year is doing so well in a program, 12 kids in the classroom. We're very lucky. And the teacher at the first conference, IPP conference, uh, said, I think we're, she's, she's good enough to go mainstream. I said, what? Without all the right strategies, she's going to fall apart. So yes. it is lifelong. It's not going to change. We're still going to need to support all my children when they're adults, even after I'm past, you know, I'm dead. People are going to, to need to support my children. That will never yep. go away. And right. I always use one of Jeff Noble's things. You know, you, you get a, a child in a wheelchair, and it's learning to wheel its own chair. And it finally, you know, it's, it's doing it without even thinking. So now let's take a wheel off and see how well this, this child will do. That's what they're doing to our children with invisible disability. They're doing so well. Let's take it away. Right. Now, this is... This is a very powerful message that education for the wider community, particularly in schools and in the healthcare professions and the support systems are on what things as important as this condition is permanent. Just because the individual looks okay doesn't mean to say that the condition, the problems have gone away. Now, here's talking of problems, here's where we take the break again. So, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Jane DePau and Sylvie Hebert. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us, we're coming back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners. Family Caregivers Unite and Jane DePau and Sylvie Ebert. Our topic is Adoption Beyond Infancy. Now, both of you, let's talk about what more you both would like to do and to see done to promote the Adoption Society of Alberta. Jane, for you, first question, what more would you like to do to promote the society? Jane? Um, I think our biggest problem is is a lot of people still don't know about us. So uh, for us, it's having more volunteers for our boards, for um, getting us out into the community. Um, we have uh, email. We have the website. Probably getting more into social media as well. Um, basically, we we people do find out about us, um, but we still hear every year, "Oh my God, where have you been? I don't know. I didn't know anything about you." Um, it's uh, it's just a matter of trying to get the information out there. Right. Sylvie, what more would you like to do to promote the Adoption Society of Alberta? Well, that's a tough question because I was thinking the same thing, you know. When uh, there's there's monthly bingos and stuff like that, we need volunteer, but a lot of people are so busy with their own lives, right? Word of mouth works. And, you know, I had heard of ABI, like I've been involved with ABI for the past four years, I think. I'm looking at Jane. More than that, but... Adoption beyond infancy, and I had adopted right from birth, and I just, the name to me meant older children, so I never bothered to call until I met one of the board members, and I said, well, my children are just very, very young, and she started laughing. She said, yeah, it's for everyone, so I was unclear. But maybe, you know, maybe that has a little bit to do with it. Um, I, I... Sometimes you're so, you feel so alone, I'd say even depressed because of the challenges of raising children with the different abilities that you don't know where to go. Um, I remember it was a teacher in a play school who told me about ABI. 
Uh, now ABI is, you know, putting pamphlet out, but it's still not enough because what it's done for me, it's really helped me cope with life. And I can phone, and there's a lot of humor and timeshare talking about, you know, not only disability, I've made friends, actually, that I trust. And it's nice to talk to somebody who understands as well. So I really don't know. I kept thinking about this and saying, you know, because everything is free. We need to get the word out there because it's free and it, it, it's so good. It, it's healthy and it's full of information. So I don't know yeah. what to tell you how. Right. No, that's great. Now, what, Jane, what more would you like to see done by other organizations to promote the Adoption Society of Alberta? Jane? So I don't mean to be critical, but we have a real problem with our provincial government in terms of we connect Often, we all are connected through um, post-adoption supports to the provincial government, to the adoption services, the adoption unit, the family, child and family services unit. We provide, I don't know how many of them with contact information. We've given them posters. We've given them all sorts of information about our, our um, supports, our, our, our system, what we do, what's available. And they're still not sharing that information. Um, we hear from them, from the workers that it's being shared, but we're not seeing it from the parents because we see lots of people that are, you know, through the system that are adopting or, or have questions, and they're like, we, you know, why doesn't my support worker never tell me this? Now, I'm not trying to point fingers, but I just find it seems that it's like, I don't know if it's because they don't know that much about us that they don't want to share that information. Um, but certainly we, we recommend, like, if someone contacts us looking for ideas about adoption, like, they're like, well, we don't want to do international adoption. And we're like, well, have you considered foster care, uh, foster to adopt program? Like, we send people to the government to that system because we know it's a system that works and that there's children there looking for, for adoptive homes. Um, so I'm not sure, but I, I really wish that in some respects the government agencies, we, we send our information out to adoptive, um, like private adoption agencies, and I know they've sent people to our, our conferences and, and to our support groups and stuff, but it seems like for the government it's a very difficult. Now, whether it's because of the, the, the caseloads or whatever, I'm not sure, but that's our biggest probably um, holdup is that just the amount of people that are coming through that system but are not hearing about us. Jane, does that mean you have to go political to get the attention of the government? Jane? We're not, we're not lobbyists. We're not political. Um, that's the big thing about us is, is that we're not, we don't care who's in politics. We don't care who's <laughs> running the joint, <laughs> uh, per se. But basically, it's just information for people. Um, and for us, that should be shared openly. That, that shouldn't be something that, you know, you're not talking about it. You're not providing with it. To your, to your clients because, well, we do something similar, but they don't. I know the government in the past has had a, conf a caregiver conference. Money's gone. They're not holding it anymore. Um, and it used to be very similar to ours, but we still kept ours up. We still had uh, a great number of people. I expect this year we're going to see even more people because the government hasn't kept up theirs. Their. So that's the thing is that a lot of their things that they do are usually on the whim of, you know, what government's in, what money's available. I mean, certainly in Alberta right now with the lack of jobs and lack of funding, a lot of those programs are going to be cut. We're maintaining our program. So we're hoping maybe that more people will be seen by, you know, still find us. But certainly we think the government could be doing more in the government unit anyway. And, and you know, like I said, I'm trying not to be critical, but I think they're an opportunity because they're meeting people front line. 
that are right. adopting or looking into adoption. Now, Sylvie, um, you were the one that are responsible <laughs> for this episode of being born and delivered. Um, so I'm going to ask you, what more would you like to see done by Family Caregivers Unite, this talk show, to promote the Adoption Society of Alberta? What more would you like <laughs> to see us do? That's a difficult question. Uh, first of all, you're on, in Ontario, but you have um, listener worldwide. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, and you probably have a website, I would say. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, maybe our agency's name should be on there and a link, uh, a link to our agents, to uh, yes. ABI, as to what we do and what we provide would be really nice. And it's nice that we have the, the chance to share this information. And uh, hopefully, you know, we get more, more people coming to us and asking for help, right? Um, that's, that's about it. I'm looking at Jane and I'm going, like, I feel we're very lucky to have had the chance to, uh, to talk about the ABI. Extremely, yes. Yes, Such very an opportunity much. wouldn't come up very often for us in this respect. Right. And like but, I said from the beginning, everything is free. That's the thing. And whether the economy is good or bad, there's conference, there's support, there's always somebody willing to, to listen. And that's what I like about our group. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this episode, but I want you both to know, first of all, first off, Jane and Sylvie, that this has been really important for me personally, because you are speaking with your own voices about your own experiences and your own understandings. You're identifying things that you know from your, both of you from your experience need doing, and you're describing the, the support, the type of supports that you provide through the society, all for free, which is a wonderful story. So on behalf of everyone, family, caregivers, um, adoptive parents, uh, the community as a whole, a big thank you for all that you're doing. And what I would say there, if you don't mind me putting it this way, keep up the good work because it really, really matters. Now, um, I want to also say thank you to our listeners. And listeners, if you would like to ask questions of our guests or get in touch with them, here's the email address to use. It's docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Family Caregivers Unite is one word, and that comes through to me, and I will pass anything you send along to Jane and Sylvie um, for them to respond to, and also uh, as a way for them to recognize that, yes, what they've been saying is interesting, it's important, and it's insightful. And more and more people, whoever they are, need to know about it. So, Jane and Sylvie, all the very best to you. And I hope one of these days we'll be talking again on Family Caregivers Unite about your work. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.